Fabulous. With your hosts, lifelong friends, Stephanie Hogan and Kevin Loftus. This is our podcast where we talk about pop culture, true crime, life, and whatever we want. Everything is alleged. We will not be accepting cease and desist at this time. Trigger warning for anyone who has like eating issues because I'm going to talk about calorie counting. So I've been on a little bit of a health kick for like three days, literally. I'm, I know I'm so dramatic. I'm so annoying, but it's the truth and it's been life changing so far. I just need to stick with it, but it's been enjoyable. My new thing, which changes all the time, but you know, I'm just figuring it out. And I'm just sharing. My new thing is once a week I can drink two or three drinks which is what I did yesterday, which was perfect. I mean, I think I had four drinks and we're not going to kill ourselves over that. But what we're not going to do is have drinks on a Sunday. What we're not going to do is have drinks on a Tuesday and a Thursday. And it just happens. It's not like I'm out of control. It's just like, you know, there's something every week. Like I met up with my colleagues a couple of weeks ago. So of course I wanted to have drinks with them and like have fun with them. I never get to see them. And then like you see a friend who you haven't hung out with in a while and you get dinner and suddenly there's like a nice cocktail on the menu and you're just like... You know, so it's not a big deal. I said this is going to be short, but already five fucking minutes and we haven't reached any of the topics. The one thing that I've been doing, which um, I've really been enjoying is calorie counting. Now, I had did calorie counting once before, two years ago, really enjoyed it, then just forgot about it. Story of your life. So I think I just want to talk about it because calorie counting is like, The word is so dramatic, like it just screams anorexia to me. And I think all of those things can be true, but I also think for someone like me, who's like super uneducated about food and also like forgets, like I will forget what I've eaten. I'll forget what I've eaten. I'm choosing like, I've spent my day like choosing hour by hour. Like what do I feel like eating this hour? What do I feel like consuming this hour? I'm always chewing or sucking on something like, so that's one thing like I would have n- no clue I still don't really know but I if I don't do the app and count it up and, and t- have the app tell me like what it is I have zero clue how many calories I've consumed and this is such a failure of education people are very different on this like some people are pretty pretty knowledgeable about how much is in certain foods and how much they should be eating it's probably intuitive or it's like education from their family or they've gone through health and weight struggles in the past. And then other people like me until Thursday are just out in a fantasy land. Like, like I just have no clue. and like have a lot of misconceptions about food because that's how we get our information about food. It's just, it's passed down from our family and friends, right? Like you never have a food class and like, it's so simple, but like this is what we really should be learning in elementary school. I think the curriculum has changed now. I'm sure that is what we're learning. I do remember doing the food pyramid, and that has stuck with me. Like it was, it's probably changed now. But at the time, I think it was all your breads at the bottom that you could have like a ton of breads, and then it was veggies, and then it was meat, which is so different now to what they would even say. I think. But anyway, so I've been using 
MyNet Diary. This is not sponsors. They've, but we're open to that MyNet Diary. But they've redone the app since I last used it, and I'm obsessed with it. So, oh, by the way, like when I got on the scale, because I don't weigh myself, because I'm like YOLO, who cares? But it's more like how I feel and if I'm healthy and if I like the way I look. But I got on the scale, and like I'm not gonna lie, I was a little bit shocked by what I saw because I just thought that I was in the realm of like one thing, and I was and I was like five or five to ten pounds over that thing that I thought that I was. And I wasn't happy with what I thought I was anyway. Do you know what I mean? So I was like a little bit like, oh. Also, it doesn't really help that like the floor in my apartment goes like this and the weighing scale gives you just an entirely different number depending on where you put it anywhere in this apartment. So I've just like picked a spot now and that's the spot because again, it's not really about the number. It's just about like, it's just about me being more knowledgeable about what's going on because um, sometimes I like lose, sorry, I know I'm going all over, but sometimes I like lose weight as well and don't really know why. And sometimes I'll gain weight and, and think that I shouldn't have gained as much as I've gained. Do you know what I mean? So it's just for me, just like learning more about myself, being a lot more conscious. So yeah, the app has been amazing because it's already changed my habits. It's, it's already made me enjoy the process more. It's already made me not feel like food is such a chore. Basically, you put, I mean, you probably don't need me to explain this to you, but I will. You put in what your current weight is, what your goal weight is, and I don't know if they suggest a time for you or you put it in yourself. You don't even have to put in a goal weight. It could be the same. You could be wanting to maintain. If you get the premium, you can put in like what you want your macros to be. So how much protein you want and like whatever. I don't really even know what macros are. I'm on the basic version for now. I'm sure as I learn more, if I stick with this, like we might adopt the pro version in a while and like make sure and like make sure my nutrients are right or whatever. Sorry, that was just like really itchy. Well, the calorie budget is 1700. Or maybe it's a little bit less. Yeah, it's 1680. I mean, which sounds low, right? And in some ways it is. Like, it's definitely, I need to think about everything. But that's why this has already been so helpful because I'm putting in foods into this thing and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I knew that my yogurts were 150 calories and if I have a yogurt, then... Like, I would never have thought, like, a yogurt is something I should think about eating. To me, in my stupid head, like, as long as I'm not eating cookies and ice cream, everything is fair game. Like, literally everything, cheese, savory stuff, like, it doesn't matter. So, that's how uneducated I am. That's how, like, that's, that's why something like this is super, super helpful for me. And like I said, I just plan minute by minute with eating generally. So, doing this... And now I've been planning, you know, within my eight, eight hours. So that's been a little bit helpful. And this is a step up because it's like, I'll kind of think about what I have and what I might make for the day. And I'll go ahead and put in breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all the items. And then I'll put in like, make sure I have like a nice snack in there for myself. And then I'll see, and then I'll say, maybe I should take out the half a cup of cheese because then I can have an extra snack. And like, I know I'm going to enjoy that cookie more or like whatever the snack is. So Anyway, it only started on Thursday. I'm already down like three pounds according to my psycho scale. But like that actually is normal for me anyway. And obviously a pound could just be like a heavy, heavy bathroom moment. But I'm sorry to gross you guys out. 
but you know we're real and allegedly fabulous we're just real so I'm really 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 excited about it because I think it's something that I can stick with because I'm keeping myself accountable hello Teddy Mellencamp um and just not even keep myself accountable like I'm not going to kill myself if I go over I'm just like not fooling myself anymore and it wasn't like I was actively trying to fool myself I was just so uneducated the breaded chicken breast tenders those are not great um liquid egg whites those are insane amazing so filling so good yeah the yogurt's not good middle eastern style flatbread not good because i will they're 160 calories each not a big deal right but like you kind of need three you kind of need three um i had rose and vodka yesterday vodka is more than i thought it's like a it's like i don't even know how to measure it I honestly didn't even know how to measure it. I just put in three cups of vodka soda into this thing and it said 360 calories. That sounded high. I thought that would be not as much, but like I'm getting this wrong. I know I am, but listen, it's better than where I was. Um, salmon, great. Turkey burgers, great. Dressings and things. I find myself now like making sure I only put in one tablespoon of dressing. I know that sounds like anorexia, but I put in one tablespoon only because like... <clears throat> I'm not trying to waste like 50 calories on a dressing when like I could, I, I'm happy with less dressing and I don't want to waste those 50 calories because I want a peanut butter, peanut butter cup later. Do you know what I mean? English muffins, great. Almond butter, I think that's good. Banana, 100 calories again. So that's my treat now. Sometimes I'll toast a whole wheat muffin, put some almond butter, peanut butter on, banana. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I've been at, but it's, it's exciting to me. I just feel happier when I'm leaner and I just feel like more myself. Like it's been giving me honestly dysmorphia to not feel, um, and like, I'm not very, very big. I'm a very normal looking person. Um, but in my head, I'm like a lean, a nice, like lean Irish wish. You know what I mean? So it's kind of triggering when you catch a side of yourself and it's just not what you expect. And if I can get there and be healthy and happy, then, I mean, it's a big, big life goal. And like, I think this is helping me on my way. So, okay. It's 9.43 here. It's so dark. I should probably put on a light. But I have my gorgeous coffee. I have a new notebook. We are taking this seriously. And you may notice we're using a different like recording system, which hopefully is going to help us export this to like TikTok easier and just be better quality but it's going to be a live and learn as always with us okay let's get into like our actual like pop culture topic so Vanderpump Rules the season finale aired and the reunion is coming up I'm really excited I just want to say this has been incredible television this has been like when they do a recap of 2023 this scandal will be mentioned and when there's like a show or a documentary in five or ten years about reality tell the earlier days of reality television or reality television in the 2020s this show is going to be there because <clears throat> it's just captured something more real and unexpected this is the only season i've watched i've only watched bits of it before but i wouldn't say it was like must watch tv i know there are some big big fans of it but this season was really really good it was pretty strong and then all of this stuff started happening so it was like you had double the storylines and i think that's the only way to do it like with reality tv like it has to be so gripping 
and you have to follow the real stories and you have to say, I think people always just have to say what's on their mind and stuff. And, um, you know, even with Housewives, I'm such a massive Housewives fan, but like there are so many filler scenes of like the girls like jumping in the pool and having fun together. And a lot of people are like, oh, I want to see them have fun together. And I do too. But like a lot of the time it's so false like I'd rather see them do what they would actually do. Like I love the scenes with like Kathy Hilton and Kyle Richards, like in bed together in Aspen a couple of years ago on Beverly Hills, like because, and just kind of like chit chatting and sharing snacks because that was like real as opposed to whatever castmate, like taking off her top and jumping in the pool. Sometimes that can be fun. And I love it like a little provocative moment as much as the next housewife fan. I mean, that's why we're there. But, like, just, like, being more real, whatever that is, um, is great. And anyway, this, they have totally achieved it here. I mean, it's been amazing. And it's just been a moment. I haven't even, guys, I haven't even watched the finale yet. I'm just soaking it all up. But I've seen a lot of the key clips. And it's just, like, there's so much in it that I want to take my time. And I'm taking my time. I know I'm so dramatic. But Ariana is truly the people's princess. As as terrible as this was and as genuine as I think she is and I feel so sad for her, it couldn't have happened to a better person because she's so graceful. She's so graceful. Like, I'm tearing up thinking about it. Um, I'm just being dramatic and also a little bit hungover, but she's just so eloquent, well-spoken, incredible. Like I said, this is the first season I watched, so I actually didn't know her. And when I started the season, I didn't really like her. I thought she was boring. But they also just weren't showing her that much in the beginning. And as they've shown her more, I have come to be a huge fan. Just before even this whole thing breaks. Because number one, she is ride or die for Raquel and Sheena. Um, Sheena obviously deservedly so, because I think Sheena's a great girl. And they've been friends for a long time. And Raquel... Ariana defends her through a lot of like attacks from other cast members, which I don't think she deserved. Raquel deserved most of those attacks. Some of them, it turns out she did. Ariana really defends her and is so well-spoken and is so strong at like putting good boundaries in place and saying to her other friends like Katie, Lala, whoever, she was such a good friend to Raquel. I mean, going out, going out to the birthday party, like Raquel's birthday party in the desert, She was a really good friend, like to take, she's a busy gal. I know they were filming for the show, but for them all to take that time out to go with Raquel to the desert and celebrate Raquel kind of becoming a stronger woman, sticking up for herself with Katie and Lala and everything, being on this journey of independence. I loved that for Raquel and I loved that for all of them. I thought this is such a nice group. They're all, obviously at this point I'm watching this, this is like a couple days ago, I know what's happened, but like I'm watching them in the moment. I'm like, this is a nice this is what friendship is. You know what I mean? This girl has changed. She's gone through something. She's coming at the other side. She's like killing it. She's becoming stronger than ever. And her friends are really being there for her and they're like honoring her moment and they're celebrating her. And I think that's a really nice thing as friends because sometimes people can be jealous or transactional. I mean, on the other side of things, like 
Katie, Lala, and Christina Kelly were meeting up to talk business, and it just seemed so transactional to me. I'm so sorry, but like they all were going to one of their other businesses events, business business events, and I just, to me, they just don't seem. They come from more of a negative place. It seems like to me. So it, that's why this thing is so layered to me because I'm not going to lie, like I'm much more of a stan of like that side of the friend group, which is obviously no more of like Tom, Ariana, Tom, Raquel, Sheena, Brock. Like I was relating to them so much more the whole season. Again, I haven't watched the other seasons. I have come around to Lala, but I didn't, didn't really like her. I thought she was too harsh on Raquel. I mean, the whole thing with Garcelle's son, like, I think that they're triggered that Raquel is the it girl because she was becoming the it girl. Um, and Andy Cohen said this as well. Like she was never a big player. Nobody ever paid attention to her and she shifted everything around and became a big player. And I think that's honestly what got Lala and Katie so triggered. But at the same time, maybe their intuition was right because all of the stuff then happened. Like that's, that's basically my thing is like, I thought Raquel was great until it, we found out that she was doing this and it breaks my heart, honestly, for everyone. It actually breaks my heart because Raquel like just, just like lost her own opportunity. Do you know what I mean? She's just screwed herself over more than anyone else because it is going to be hard for her to turn things around. I don't think it's impossible. And I think she will have a redemption arc Everybody gets forgiven and everybody gets a comeback, but I think it's just going to be really, really hard for her. I think she was very lost and didn't have much of a sense of self. They've all said on the show, she was getting her sense of self from validation from other people, especially men. And I think she wasn't taking it all that seriously. And I think, but I think, you know, to do, to do that to someone like Ariana, to, who's shown you so much kindness is is beyond. I mean, there's no words for it. It's insane. It's completely insane. It's, it's like completely hard to understand. And I think that's why we're also obsessed with it as well, because it's like, why would she do this? It just doesn't make any sense. Really? I want to say with Lala, like I've really come around to her in the moments where she shows softness, like in the moments where, you know, when Raquel showed up at her birthday party and asked her for a chat and Raquel like apologized to her and Lala like was much warmer to her. I love that side of her. Like, I don't really like the, like, tough guy thing because it just seems, it's a bit like Hamid up or something, I don't know. But the one thing that Tom Sandoval said that was true while they were down at Hermosa Beach, by the way, I need to go to that bar I had it saved on Google Maps. It looks so fun. I think it's Tower 12. Like, Tom Sandoval said one true thing that night, and that was that Katie doesn't take accountability for anything and everything is always blamed on other people. And I think that's true. I'm so sorry. I just think it's true. Like, she... I'm not saying she does not have genuine things to be upset about or mad about, but, like, sometimes these people do need to, like, put... In, they, you need to, like, put these people in their place a bit at the reunion so that they can correct that behavior for next season so she could just get worse next season honestly anyway i'm sure she's a great girl like i feel like i would love her i'd be friends with her i just think i think she's i don't see eye to eye to eye to eye with her on the things that she's like fighting with tom schwartz about but obviously i'm not in the relationship i'm just a viewer i've been getting a sense that she's negative and she kind of enjoys the negativity like she does not want raquel to be a good person she does not want 
like good things for other people. In the scene that I saw where Ariana tells her what happened with Tom Sandoval and Raquel, she covers her face and she starts laughing and she turns to the she turns away, she like falls back in her seat. Um I mean I know you can feel awkward and laugh, and I know this is so dramatic that like it could be comical. It's like I don't want to like pin someone down for their just reaction in one moment, but like this is your best friend who's been with this person for nine years. You should be shocked and in tears and like crying and hugging her. But you're not because you've probably been hating on the relationship for a really long time. But like regardless of how you feel about the relationship, like pull it together for Ariana. Like, I don't know. I just think that's bad vibes. I don't think she's a bad person. I just think there's some negativity there that I just don't appreciate. I just love like that California sunny, nice energy. I don't know. Tom's gaslighting is like so funny to me because he's just like not that good look not that good. I'm talking about Tom Sandoval in the scene in the second last episode where he and Ariana sit down to catch up and they start talking about, you know, when he didn't leave the barbecue after her grandmother died and they've been disconnected and this and that, like the way that I read that and like watch the scene, this is why this whole thing is so compelling. Everything is so compelling in it. Sheena is such a star, by the way. I can't even, I love Sheena so much. Like, Tom is trying to gaslight Ariana. I think he was trying to create a pretext. So he was trying to sabotage the relationship. He was like, we're not, we're not connected. Your idea of quality time is different than mine. Like, he was making shit up. I know people think he's, like, acting all the time. I, when, I, when we saw him cry in that moment, to me, it was like, or, like, almost cry or whatever, or, like, get upset. To me, he was upset that he was just like realizing just a tiny, tiny bit of like how much of an amazing woman Ariana is and how he's not going to be able to get out of this so easily. He's not just going to be able to create a stupid pretext and have Ariana flip out and break up with him. Like, and then they can say that him and Raquel started hooking up while they were on a break. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's what he was hoping for. He was hoping to cause enough chaos to create a big wedge and then a pretext for his relationship with Raquel to start in a way that it wouldn't have been as as horrific as it is. But because Ariana is such a strong person and a good partner, she was just like, I agree with you. Let's work on these things. I mean, it's so much. Selling sunsets back. Season six is fire. I was a bit worried because I felt like the last couple of seasons were more produced. Like the first two, I think were probably the best in my mind. Maybe the second one, I can't remember which. Season six is on, I'm about three episodes in. This show is crack cocaine. Selling Sunset is crack cocaine. Like it is an incredible TV experience. The trailer, the music, the lighting, the colors, the fashion, the beauty, like it's so, it's crack cocaine. It's crack cocaine. Like they truly, I don't, are they eligible for like Emmys and stuff? They need to be like these reality shows, fuck the daytime Emmys. Like, come on, this is, these are soaps now or they deserve to be respected. Like it's just, I know everyone thinks I'm being so dramatic, but like 
I'm not. Like, sorry, the the way the show is done is incredible. Like, the editors, the producers, they all do an incredible job. And the cast does an incredible job. Like, it's just really good. I have some thoughts just, like, on how I'm feeling about a few of the girls already. Emma Hernan. <sighs> Drop Dead Gorgeous. I think she's smart. She's probably a very hardworking, good businesswoman. I just don't think she's interesting. I haven't thought she's interesting in a long time. So let's see. And like her banter with Chriselle is like extremely cringy. Chriselle is like incredibly captivating. I mean, her in that red suit and just in general, like she truly is the lead of the show and she deserves it, I think. She's a dramatic actress and I think she's perfect in this role. But as a person, like I'm not loving her as much three episodes in. And I've been a pretty strong Chriselle stan. But Christine probably made her more likable, not gonna lie. I mean, we'll see. I, I like, I'm interested to see the conflict later this season I, that I know comes up with Nicole and what happens with Mary. But I mean, do not come for Mary. Mary is the realist. I am the, the biggest Mary stan. I love Mary. So we'll get into that in a second. But yeah, Chriselle, I a couple things that put me off already is like, how weird she was with Jason in their meetup. From a viewer's perspective, Chriselle handled the breakup pretty healthily. You know, said she loved the guy, it wasn't gonna work out as life partners, mostly because of the baby thing. Like that, that's, the, honestly though, we're trying to be real here, like I felt like the baby thing was a bit of an excuse from day one, but like, Either or, it doesn't matter. It just, I'm just, my point is, she seemed to handle the breakup in a healthy way from an outside perspective. She seemed like pretty strong that she needed to move on. I'm sure she had sad moments, but she seemed okay. And Jason was much more visibly, like from the show and just in how he lived his life afterwards, seemed a lot, um, seemed to take it harder, right? Because for him, it seemed like more of a life-changing experience. Jason has always been the eligible bachelor who's really just like played around for to have fun and probably gotten his like emotional needs met elsewhere. Mary. So for Chriselle for the first time or one of the first times was a very serious girlfriend for him and um, he really reconsidered everything about his life for her and it didn't work out. So I'm just saying like uh, for a viewer's perspective I wasn't on anybody's side. Like I was, I still was a fan of both of them when they were t together, before they were together, when they ended. But like, it did seem like he had a tougher time. So I don't know why Chriselle is so defensive that people are perceiving it that way. And also like, it's not up to Mary to like, sure, she should have checked in, but it's also up to you as a friend to say, hey, like, I miss you. Can we talk? Like, you're not... Like, from what I've seen so far, maybe we'll get more details, but, like, I don't think that Chriselle is the victim in that Mary thing at all. Like, it's on... It takes two. You didn't con you didn't reach out to her either until filming started again. So, like, everybody has stuff going on in their lives. I'm sure Mary had stuff that she wasn't happy with going on in her life. Like, when was the last time you asked Mary what's going on with her? Because it's not all about one person. Like, it has to be a two-way thing. So that's just like my perception, having watched it, having watched a couple episodes. And then with the Jason thing, I just felt like she, she made sure that that was an awkward experience in the first meeting and he handled it extremely well. He was not awkward at all, at least visibly. 
And that's just how it should be. Like they work together and he's not, he's not persecuting you. Like he's not doing anything where she, uh, maybe she just wanted that to be the scene. Like that's the arc that they're going for. Like she started to make it out to be weird when he said, Oh, I watched, like, I've been watching, I've been like loving watching your stories all summer. Like you've been having a great time and just like living your best life. And I'm really happy for you. To me, that is such a nice and honest thing to say. Like who, like a lot of people watch their ex's stories and for him to get to the point where he probably processed everything and like had a hard time, probably couldn't look at anything. And then like dipped back in and was like ready to be a, a friendly supporter of her again. Like to me, that's a wonderful thing for an ex to say, or like not a wonderful thing, but like that's a nice, genuine thing. And I just like people who are genuine. Like I saw Manny MUA last night at High Tops in West Hollywood in the fucking bathroom. I don't even know. Like I just turned, I didn't, I see, did I see him in the mirror or something? I turned around, he was in the line and I was just after washing my hands and I was like, oh my God, I love your podcast. I'm like such a fan. And he was like, oh, thank you so much. Um, and I was like, he was like, what's your name? And I was like, I'm, I'm Kevin. Like, so nice to meet you. And I was like, yeah, I love you. I die for you and Laura Lee. Like, have a great night. Like, and he was like, have a great night. And like, that was it. But like, I'm just like, like that where I just try and be extra genuine all the time. I think because, I know this is a tangent, but I think because I have in the past been very reserved in certain situations because not everybody likes my personality. And sometimes you have to protect yourself a bit. And I'm kind of going the opposite way now, which I'll probably have to readjust a bit. But right now I'm in a stage where I'm just like overly authentic. I can be a bit of an oversharer and I'm extremely authentic with how I'm feeling, what I'm going through. Like if somebody asks me what's going on, like I was telling somebody about, I was telling somebody about my ex at a party last night that I just met. Like he was like, he was telling me about his new boyfriend. He was like, what about you? And I was like, oh no, no, no. Like this is what happened. This is what I'm going through. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, it doesn't have to be a sad story. It's not a sad story. This, this is just real life. And I would just rather give you that than be like, oh yeah, I'm single right now. Like, that's boring. And like, I would just rather be extra authentic. And I'm, my whole thing now is I let other people tear me down. I don't tear myself down. That's what I'm trying to do. And with celebrities as well, like whenever I see a celebrity, I, I obviously generally leave them alone. But if it's somebody that I like and it's in a situation like that in a bar, I want to say hi and be like, listen, I just love your stuff. Like, have a great night. And I'd rather do that than pretend to be cool and try and orchestrate an interaction with them or just like ignore it completely. Because it's just the truth that I'm a fan and it's whatever. This is why I love reality stuff so much because I just think it's so deep. So all that to say, I think that Jason handled that really well. And I don't think that Chriselle did. And I just didn't like the way she twisted it there. But I'm excited to see what happens with her and Mary. And I just hope it's a fake storyline. And I hope they get over it. And I love Mary to pieces. I just think she is goddamn fabulous. I just think she is fabulous and amazing. I think they all are, for the record. Amanda as well. Ride or die for that girl. Hope she has a good storyline this season. And Heather, I know they're kind of, they seem to be like phasing Heather out. Guys, I love Davina as well. I think she is hilarious and great TV. Come on, we need Davina back. Chelsea, I'm really enjoying. I just think there's an earnestness about her. I thought it was really, really weird when she gave her, she like did her buyer's resume for Emma when Emma was showing, showing Chelsea and Chelsea's buyer a home. 
like that gave rookie because I like if I was like a billionaire or whatever or anything, I wouldn't really want to be standing there having my realtor be like, well, he's just like telling all my business. Like you keep that between us and you just introduce me and show me the home and we'll figure it out later. There's something I like about her that she's just so earnest. She's just, she seems, she's like genuinely wanting to do well in real estate, obviously wants to be a reality star as well. And there, I like that earnestness, like good for you. And Emma, like in fairness to her, I think she knows what she's doing in real estate. She seems smart. Nicole is a new girl on Selling Sunset. She's been with the Oppenheimer Group four years, for like eight years. Like I think she's the first agent they had and is actually really good, has a hundred million dollar in listings, sold or whatever. She's on the season and she clearly has some confrontation with Chriselle later in the season. I believe she alleges that like Chriselle stole a listing from her or something like that. That's just what I heard along. You can see in the trailer that they have a conflict and that Chriselle calls her a bitch. Chriselle, in response to something that's in the season on her Instagram, put out DMs between Nicole and her. And I was just like, I need to the context of what this is about because when I see the DMs, I'm like, this makes Nicole look nicer than Chriselle. The DM is like, hey, I just, it's from Nicole. It's like, hey, I just got asked to be a full-time cast member. I wasn't expecting it. I'm really nervous, and I'm, but I'm excited as well. And like, would you please meet me for a lunch or drink? Like, I would just really love to ask you for advice and like tips and like all things filming. And Chriselle was like, responds, she's like, yay, amazing. And she's like, absolutely. And then Nicole's like, hey, okay, great. So like, I know, like, what, are you free for anything this week? Like, lunch, dinner, or, like, I can even come over to you and bring food, like, whatever you want. And Chriselle's like, well, we don't start filming for, like, a couple months, so, like, maybe let's wait until, like, the girls come back from London and we can do a girls' night. And Nicole's like, okay, yeah, sure. And then it kind of fizzles out, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know what Chriselle's trying to prove, so she probably proved whatever point she tried to prove. She should have met the girl for lunch. She's a colleague. The, the girls asked you for help. That's just a universal thing, so I don't need to know any more context. Like, if any colleague asks me for lunch, like I'm, like I'm gonna do a call with an intern next week who asked me for a call. It's just etiquette. Like, she's a colleague in the agency, and she's a colleague on your show. Like, I would just bend over backwards for anyone who reached out to me on even a stranger on LinkedIn or something like that. Now, obviously I'm not Chriselle and I don't have the demands on my time that Chriselle has and she's a big star and maybe, maybe there's stuff before this that she didn't, that she didn't like her or whatever. But that just like, I don't like that. Like just support, like that's, that's how you genuinely support and show up for someone. You go for lunch with them and you tell them, listen, just, I would advise you to like plan your outfits now because you're not gonna have time. I would advise you to just like um, try to be yourself and be really honest and don't think about your flaws because people are going to like those things about you and they're just not going to like you if you pretend. Like, I don't know. That's what I would tell someone going on a reality show, right? I haven't been on one. But like, that's just what like a kind person would do. That to me wasn't kind, but let's see what happens. Again, I'm three episodes in, so I'm talking out of the left side of my mouth. Um, but at least it's getting brighter now. And after this, I'm going to get ready and go down to OC. So that'll be fun. So my last topic is Megan and Harry. They're certifiably like off their rockers. I'm so sorry. They are, they seem 
unhinged and it's just they're just damaging their own credibility so much it's like what are you honest to god doing it starts off good it starts off with megan speaking at this event in new york the gala for ms foundation for women women or miss foundation for women and she looks absolutely gorgeous i only saw the tiniest clip of the speech but it looks like she did a beautiful job i literally was like yes this is what i've been saying that they should be doing go ahead and use like take all of these platforms you know what i mean like i want to see you doing like what diana did you know and i'm not saying they don't do it but like that's like use the opportunity of the light that's on you to like shine it more on that and i just i'm so sorry but i don't want to hear it's the media yes it's the media we want the drama but you're playing into the drama a lot every time somebody asks you about something you could say i don't really care about that i want to talk about this charity that i'm dealing with so it looks like she did an amazing job then they're photographed leaving they get this is in new york city last week they get into their car from what all the videos and photos show they are pursued by paparazzi they like drive around for ages because they don't want to leave the paparazzi to the place they're staying at which is a private residence and there's like a couple of paparazzis on scooters and stuff but it's like slow moving traffic you know what i mean there's no it's driving in new york and manhattan so it looks like they're like literally stopped at some point they like move into a taxi cab to try and shake off the paparazzi but it didn't seem to do anything because it wasn't like super slick you know what i mean they just got out of a car and walked into another car so everybody knew the other car that they were in and like whatever that's all fine right i guess they eventually get home i don't know how and then they come out or their spokesperson comes out the next day and say that harry and megan were involved in a near catastrophic car chase with the paparazzi and everybody is just like They've just been broadly condemned for this because it just, it's observably, doesn't look like that to anybody else. And it's just kind of weird and wrong on so many levels. And it honestly makes me think that they might be dealing with like an issue, like a genuine issue, like themselves. Because from the photos in the video, it doesn't look like that's what observably happened. I'm sorry. NYPD, who were escorting Harry and Meghan and Meghan's mother, have said that that didn't happen on the record and off the record. NYPD. The taxi driver who drove them in the taxi have said, has said that it wasn't a big deal. That it wasn't actually that crazy at all. And the entire city of New York has said, mm, no, because traffic moves at two miles an hour. There's just no way there was a near catastrophic car chase. Like obviously poor Diana died in a catastrophic car chase. So and that's Harry's trauma. It's really weird to invoke that when it what happened is so different. Um, obviously they were pursued. I can't even go as far as to say maybe they felt in distress because honestly, it just seems like they enjoy it. And that's, that's fine too. It's just like, I can't even, I just can't even, the credibility is now so low. The credibility now is so low because just nobody gets it. But The View did a really good segment on it. A lot of other people have talked about it. It honestly gets worse and worse. Listen to this. Afterwards, I don't know who it was, but a spokesperson for Harry and Meghan 
or a lawyer, asked Backert, the photo agency, to hand over the footage. And I'm pretty sure they were like not happy that people weren't the story didn't go the way they wanted it to. They want they thought the story was gonna be, oh my god, Harry and Meghan like pursued and it was like mm. it was that for a second and then everybody was like mm. I'm like no. So the letter that was sent to Backridge by Harry and Meghan's people says it's obviously a whole letter, but this is the part. We hereby demand that Backgrid immediately provide us with copies of all photos, videos, and or films taken last night by the freelance photographers after the couple left their event and over the next several hours. So, <laughs> you've got such an acrimonious relationship with these people that like, I don't think they're going to do that for you, especially when you're looking for those photos to say that they were reckless. Like, so they're not going to do that for you anyway, number one. Like, even if there was stuff in it, let's be honest. Like, if you really wanted to get the photos, you should have gone about it a different way. Like, you should have gotten someone to, like, purchase them or something. Because also, they're not obligated to send you anything. There's no lawsuit. There's no judgment. Like, that's their private property. And, like, hereby demand. Like, this is so unhinged. Hereby demand, the words used, like... Either Harry has somebody on his team or Harry and Meghan have somebody on their team from uh, when Harry was a royal um, because that is like British royal type language. That's definitely not American law language or any type of regular non-royal type language. Hereby demand, that's like, um, that's like a king making a decree. And Harry is not a king. I'm pretty sure he's aware of that. He wrote a book called Spare and he left the royal family so that's really embarrassing so i'm like they have to have either somebody on their team from that time who wrote it right and like got it mixed up or honestly like a lawyer drafted up something and harry was like no i want to rewrite this because i want it to be more aggressive i want it to be more strong hereby demand it's just it's really mortifying and backgrid wrote back a public response that was just like very sassy and i mean i didn't think it was that funny but like it's true it, they said in america as i'm sure you know property belongs to the owner of it third parties cannot just demand it to be given to them as perhaps kings can do perhaps you should sit down with your client and advise them that his english rules of royal prerogative to demand that the citizenry hand over their property to the crown were rejected by this country long ago we stand by our founding fathers like just this whole story is just like icky and i'm just like you're not helping yourself i listened to i think it's the hollywood raw podcast yesterday and but one of the guys was like i really want he's like i'm a fan of harry and megan like i really want to advise them like because if they really feel misunderstood or this and that and that's what they're trying the narrative they're trying to get across they're going about this the wrong way times a thousand and i couldn't agree more i mean i feel like i could go in there and give them some good advice i mean it's just basic you want Sometimes it's like, it's like boy cried wolf, you know what I mean? And it's like, now when something actual happens or you have an actual grievance, it's just going to be really hard. And I get that, like, Harry's embracing being more vocal and talking about things. And I think that's great. I am kind of on that journey as well. But you have to realize that people do respect, like, a little bit of restraint. I'm trying to learn this as well, truly. It's like pot, pot and kettle a little bit, but, like, I'm not really a complainer. I take responsibility for my own stuff. But, like... You kind of want to be someone who's known to take responsibility for your own stuff 
And then when you do complain about something, like you whip it out for the battles you really need the help on and you really need the support on. And then you'll get it. Not every little thing. And I know they have an incredible fan base that like loves them so much, but the general public now are, are totally turning away. For now. Guys, that was a lot. That was kind of exhausting. Have a great week. Love you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. This has been Allegedly Fabulous with Kevin Loftus and Stephanie Hogan. Please give us a rating and review. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear your take. You can follow us at Allegedly Fabulous everywhere. That's Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. On Twitter, we are at Allegedly Fab. And you can get me at Kevin T. Loftus, K-E-V-I-N-T-L-O-F-T-U-S. And Stephanie is at Steph Hogan, S-T-E-P-H-H-H-O-G-A-N. Thanks, Emil, and see you next time.